you can be seated. I'm going to preach on this title, The Other Side of Mercy. The Other Side of Mercy. How many of you are thankful for mercy? Mercy is a beautiful thing. All of us have been recipients of mercy on a daily basis. The Bible says his compassions fail not and his mercy is renewed every day. Amen. Aren't you thankful for waking up every morning knowing not to abuse it, not to take it for granted, but knowing that there's mercy there. Aren't you thankful when you slip or when you maybe get off track or get a little attitude or get too carnal? Aren't you glad that there's mercy there? You see, the God who died for us, the one who shed his blood, understands mankind more than we understand ourselves. He knows the innermost thoughts of our heart. We are naked and open before God. He knows the thoughts and the intents of our heart. He knows us when we slip, when we fail, when we don't measure up to our own selves. He knows the pressures that are there, the condemnation that is going to come from hell. The guilt and the shame that follow that. And so he has reassured us over and over again throughout the word of God that theme of his mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. But God who is rich in mercy, he never runs out of mercy. Hello, somebody. Sometimes I feel like I've expired all of the mercy that is granted, but it's all over again, renewed every day. There is mercy. We would none of us be here if it were not for the mercy of God. He has intercepted things that would have turned our world upside down. He's intercepted things that would have took us out of this life. He has stood in between us and hell at times. He did on Calvary. Calvary is an act of mercy that will never go away. It is a one time for all of mankind. Calvary is there. It can never be removed. It can never be compromised. It can never be watered down. It'll never lose its effect. Calvary is always there. And as long as there's Calvary, there's mercy. Oh, praise God. I thank God for mercy. Makes us all feel better. How many times has God been merciful to you and I? And we think, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for being so good to us. God, you really saved us through that one. God, you really prevented a problem. Or God, you were really forgiving. How many of you like to be forgiven? Amen. How many like to be renewed and know and reminded everything's all right? I might have messed up yesterday, but I'm not, I don't have to live there. I don't have to be attached to that because of the blood of Jesus Christ who washes me clean of all unrighteousness. I have hope today because his mercy endureth forever. And so mercy feels good. Most of the time. And so I'm going to talk to us about a different type of mercy. And it's still mercy. Israel had a bad habit. And sad to say, but oftentimes it even still happens today. 
Israel was this unique nation that was a royal priesthood like you and I are, the chosen generation. Amen? A royal priesthood. Blessed, the called of God, the children of God. But they had this bad habit like you and I have from time to time. And as God's blessings were poured out on them, they would begin to forget God. They would begin to forget that it was God that delivered them. It was God that brought them through. It was God's goodness that brought them from where they were to where they're at now. And the richness and the prosperity and the blessings of God overflowed in their life. And if you'll go through the scripture, you'll see this scene over and over again. And we stand back in total amazement going, when are they ever going to get it? As long as they're human, they're going to struggle with this. And so Israel's bad habit was when they would begin to prosper, they would begin to forget God, and then they would turn back and pick up worldly things and ungodly things and sinful lifestyles, and, and they would begin to forget God was in the picture. They began to live by their own power, their own governing of themselves, and, and they began to, uh, to feed the flesh, and they began to pick back up things that they had once laid down. They would bring things back to the house of God that had been removed from there, and God would do something that seemed like he was punishing them in a sense, it was, but you ever thought about your whipping you got when you was a kid that that was mercy? Huh? Have you ever thought about when mom or dad took you in or grandma with a switch and they went from your ankles to your back? Or your hip line? You get the picture. Or they either told you to lay across the bed and they tore you up with a strap or a belt? Did you ever get through with that Man, that was mercy. Thank you, Dad, for mercy. No, we didn't. We squalled and we bawled and we played the pity party on Mama. Now, <laughs> you know, raising my kids, I was a disciplinarian. I wasn't rough. They, they deserved a lot more than they got, especially Clay. But I would have to whip them. And my wife would love them, pet them, oh, my baby, come here to mama, hello. But she was the one that told me to whip them. I'd say, you, you make me look like an evil person here, the villain. You, I come home, you told me what they did and told me how bad they need to whip it. I did it, now you just, oh, my baby. But that's what mamas do. Hello, somebody. But I promise you, Clay never looked at me and said, Dad, thank you for mercy. I appreciate that mercy you just gave me. You know, that's kind of like sometimes in our lives. We don't look at it like mercy. But mercy is written all over it. Because he loves us so much. 
He will allow problems to enter into our world. He will allow the enemies to come against us, if you will, like Israel did. He would raise up, the Bible said, enemies against them. And then they would get their attention. Somebody say an attention getter. And they would wake up from that false state of mind. And they would realize, wait a minute, who do we always turn to? Who's always been there for us? We need to realign ourselves back with God. And Israel will come in alignment with God again. But if God had not allowed the enemy to attack, they would not have woke up. It would not have got their attention. And they would have stayed on the pathway of destruction. So that problem or that situation that came in that trouble that came in their life, it was the mercy of God that said, I can't let you stay there. You didn't, you didn't respond to my love. You didn't respond to my conviction. You didn't respond to the voice in your life. So I'm going to allow the enemy to speak to you. But it was mercy because he loved us so much that he had to watch us go through pain, go through troubles. But it was through the affliction that it got our attention and thought, oh, no, I was thinking wrong. I I got off track and, and I need God. It was him who delivered me. It is God who saw us through. It is God who saved us. It is God who died on that rugged cross for our sins. And I want to get back in alignment with him. I can't remember and I I couldn't even look it up right quick. I I, I said, well, I I shouldn't even bring it up, but I will. I can't remember. You correct me. I'm thinking it was Manasseh, but it might have been Ephraim that they began to really go in a pathway of sinfulness. They were sacrificing children. They were enchantments, walking on fire. They were bringing all this pagan and, and all these things that were ungodly. He had entered into an ungodly life that was far from what he was raised in, far from where God had worked in his life. But the Bible says God allowed the enemy to come against him, and they caught him in the hedge of the thorn. And it was through that affliction that Manasseh, we'll call him Manasseh for the sake of it, and it was through that time that he woke up and go, oh, wait a minute, I'm in trouble. And when you get in trouble, where you go if you ever live for God? You go to the one that you know you can count on. You go to the one that's always been there. The one who loves you like nobody else loves you. That's the one that we turn to. And so Manasseh turned to God. And then he didn't stop there, Sister King, but he turned the whole nation around. And he got that nation back on board of living for God. It was a tough time. He had entered into a bad, sinful state of condition and the way of thinking. But God brought the enemy. But it got him back in alignment with God and not only for himself but he became the leader and he began to turn Israel back around and so I call that the other side of mercy if you look through the scripture Israel done this over and over again Isaiah refers to it David refers to it Kings refers to it and how God will allow them to go through something just to wake them up and that's God. And all we can go, oh, I'm in trouble. But God's saying, that's mercy. That's mercy. 
You know what? I thank God for that mercy, Brother Dylan. I didn't like it. I didn't understand it, or you didn't either. But it was the same mercy who died on the cross. It was the same mercy that intercepted. It was the same mercy that forgave us. It was the mercy of God that says, I'm going to let them go through a trial or a hardship because they're off track, and I need them to get back on track and understand they belong to me. Well, you think about the prodigal son. You know, it's a story. But I believe that parables refer to real life. Amen. It pertains to the kingdom of God. And you know the story of the prodigal son. Had an attitude. I can do this on my own. I deserve what's coming to me. I don't want to wait. I don't want to live like daddy lived. I want to go find my own world and my own life. And so dad, being the good dad that he was, his love, and he gave him his inheritance. It was his all along. But he cashed it in too soon. And so he took that inheritance. Now, inheritance is something we shouldn't take for granted. If you've been raised in this apostolic truth, you've got an inheritance that is more valuable than all the world put together. I'm telling you, what an inheritance to be raised in church, to be raised living for God, to be raised knowing how to pray, to be raised knowing who to call on, to be raised knowing what truth is, how wonderful the Holy Ghost is. Oh, come on, somebody. What an inheritance that we have in this wonderful truth. But many have walked away. Many have got caught in the trap of the world, and some have found their way back, but so many have never found their way back. But they'll never forget truth. But let me get back to my story. And so he took his inheritance that was given to him, and he went out into the world, and he began to waste it. Prodigal means wasteful. He began to blow that money left and right. He was living it up, you know, all the preaching cliches of the prodigal son. He began to live it up. I don't know if he's buying steaks, beer. I know he's buying women. The Bible's very clear about that. And he was just living life the way he wanted to. No, no there to what nobody there to tell him who what he can do and what he can't do. Nobody there to tell him what time he can be in, what time he can't be in. Nobody there to point a finger at him. He's just free for all, just living it up accordingly to his fleshful desires. But God could have left him there. God could have allowed him to die in that state. But instead, God allowed for all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord. Because this young man had been raised in a good home. And so God allowed problems to arise. Number one, just there are some principles of life. You spend money, you're going to eventually run out. Hello? And that's going to happen. And so he ran out of funds. He had no more money. And he had done tried some other things. And, you know, he began to be in want. But he's still stubborn, still bullheaded, still determined. Maybe it was pride. I don't know what kept him going back. When you begin to be in want, that's a good time to turn to God. Hello? 
when things get off track and things begin to go off course and life, you realize I'm not doing right, I'm not living right, God's not pleased with this, I know that. And then you begin to be in want. And that's a good time to say, God, I want to come back home. But he didn't. He did like so many of us have done. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of another country representing a covenant with an unfamiliar place, an ungodly place. And what happens there, Brother Dylan, is when we do that, we're the servant. We're the servant. When we align ourselves and we make that partnership and we join, that you're joined is a sign of partnership. We become a part of it. I joined the the wellness center. I joined the coffee club. Hallelujah, glory to God. We join, that means we become a part of. And so he become a part of another country. Living its standards and its lifestyle, it don't work. It's never going to work. But God could have just let it go. And said, you made your choice, you're on your own. But that's not what God does. Oh, I'm so thankful that's not what God does. But God will speak in our innermost means. And God will whisper in our ear, remember who I am. Remember what it's like at Father's house. Remember how good you had it there. Remember the love that you felt. Remember the breakfast that was on the table every day. Remember the security and the peace was there. And God doesn't leave us there. And it looks like his world has gone south quick. But then he's there. Key words, very important. The Bible says he came to himself. That stood out to me one day. I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That puts a different picture on it. That tells me, brother, brother McGill, he ain't been being himself. He hadn't been being himself. Some spirit had done got a hold of him. Some allurement had done drew him out. Something had got his thinking uh, going in a wrong direction. And he knew better. He was raised in it. He knew what to do. He knew the right things to do. He knew what to avoid. He knew where to go and where not to go, what to do and what not to do. He knew all of that. He knew it, but he chose to go a different way. And the Bible says he woke up. That in those exact words, but he came to himself. I can just picture him there in the pig pen on bottom going, What was I thinking? Where have I done got myself? Look at the heartache that I'm in. Look where I'm at. I don't belong in a pig pen eating a, eating hogs' food. I don't belong in this place in life. Not that he felt that he was too good for it. He knew where he belonged. He knew where he came from. And now he's awakening himself going, what have I done? You know what that was? But Erickson has the other side of mercy. I've been there. Many of you have been there. When our world turned upside down, when we found ourselves in places that we woke ourselves up and realized, you know what woke us up? Mercy woke us up. 
Mercy Mercy woke us up. Mercy because God would say, you don't want to die where you're at. You don't want to die hungry like that. You don't want to die in the pig pens of this world. You don't want to die with that alcohol in your system. You don't want to die with drugs in your veins. You don't want to die living the life of another citizen of another country. Think about it. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Think about it. He joined himself to that country. He belonged there. He wasn't a citizen originally. He made himself one. He made himself one when he joined it. But that's not where home is. That's not who you are. That is not where you came from. That is not what you know to do. And now he finds himself living as a citizen in another country because he become partnership and he joined to that. But God said, I'm not going to let you stay there because there's a home far away. There's a home in the eternals. There's a life I want you to live. And there's a destiny I want you to reach I know you got where you're at I know you walked that path but I never left you I was there when you made the bad choice I was there when things fell apart I was there when you crumbled on your face I was there when you hit bottom and I will not leave you because that is the other side of mercy now I may be off theologically so this is not biblical theology what I'm about to say this is Robbins 101 one and one I have to believe now God's everywhere at all times right you can't go anywhere that God ain't so just don't don't just bear with me but I believe there's some places God chooses not to go And I believe as long as there's mercy, God's going to choose to go everywhere you go because you're his. You belong to him. If God has ever done, and there comes a day that sometimes God gets done, the Bible says the spirit without always strive with man. When God gets done, brother, I think God says stops. I believe he stops and lets you walk out on your own. Hello? And that's when he turns us over to a reprobate mind. I mean, it's Bible, folks. But until then, God's going to walk with you every way. When the trouble comes in your life, it isn't just punishment. But it could be like when Dad whipped you and you turned around. And we didn't realize it at the time. But now I look back on those times in my life, uh, Elder Dylan, and I thought, oh, that was mercy that kept me. That was mercy that let me go through that. That was mercy that brought me to a place to wake me up. And I'm almost done. What about, you know, the, the, the prodigal son, he woke up. He said, I will. I like those words. I will arise. He didn't say, you know, I'll think about it. I'm going to try to do it. See, when you had enough, when you're sick of it, the pig pen, when you're sick and tired of living that life, and you know it's God's mercy, when you wake up and realize, whoa, wait a minute, where's God? Oh, wait a minute, what have I done? Something rose up in him. And he said, I will. 
because he just said earlier, at my father's house. Isn't that neat how you think about home? At my father, you know what's at father's house. You know what's at the house of God. There's love. There's truth. There are words of encouragement. There's affirmations and reassurances. There's mercy. There's grace. There's goodness of God. All these things is a place to live and dwell in peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You know what's at Father's house. He knew. He said it himself. He didn't send a letter saying everything's still going okay there. He knew. See, once you know, you know. That's not a deep revelation, is it? But once you've been an apostolic, you'll never be satisfied being anything else. Once you taste of this wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost, you'll never settle really for anything else. Once you've walked in truth, nothing else will ever truly fulfill or satisfy your soul. You know what's in Father's house. It's a place of redemption, a place of salvation, a place of a, re, of a new start. He said, at my father's house, there, there's servants that got it better than I got it. And he said, I'll go back, and I'll just be a servant. But I love what he said. I will arise and go back to my father's house. I feel the Holy Ghost right now this morning. That God has already reminded you of some things you're going through right now. And you thought it was just punishment. You thought it was just your own device. But can I tell you, the hand of God has allowed some things in your life because he wants to bring you back in alignment with him. And God wants us to wake up and realize I need to to get back and something stirs up in your spirit that says you know what I'm going to make up my mind watching for all I'm leaving this country that I came into I'm going to leave this pig pen I'm going back to father's house and I'm going to be in a place where I know I belong where I know I love and I know there's a future for me can I reach for somebody today why don't you get up from where you're at right now and say I will arise. I'm leaving this pig pen. I'm leaving this country of the world and I'm reaching. And I know that he went back thinking he wasn't worthy of being a son again. Can I rebuke that spirit right now and that lie from the pits of hell? Once you was a son, you're always a son. You're not just a servant, but you are a son. He will restore you. You think you got to dig your way back? You think nobody will have confidence in you? That father said, put the robe on him. Put the ring on him. Go get the fatty calf. We fix to have a celebration because my son which was lost is failed. God is so happy when the other side of mercy works. My son which was lost is now found. Well, come on, somebody. 
And he got there and he was restored. And then closing, Jonah, Jonah just had a little, I don't know what Jonah had. He was prejudiced. He didn't have God. He didn't have the right perspective. The Lord said, Arise, go to Nineveh and tell them I'm going to destroy it in 40 days. Now, he knew God spoke, didn't he? Hmm? He knew it was God. You don't never see where he said, Oh, that ain't you, God. Now, he might have wondered, but he knew it was God. His problem was not that he knew it was God, it was what God said. Hello? And that's where things begin to crumble. We know it was God. But the problem we have is what God said. And Jonah didn't like them people in Nineveh. He didn't like them. He didn't like the fact he was going to go down there and be the one preached to them. And so, you know what he did? He fled to Tarsus. And God could have said, okay, I'm done with you, Jonah. You just go on down to Tarsus, and you'll never find your way in the book of, in the, in the recorded book. You'll never, never reach what I have for you. You'll never live your life out going, I obey God. Come on. Help me this morning. And Jonah got swallowed. God, the other side of mercy. The Bible says God prepared a whale. This was all God's doing. You think God was getting ready to kill Jonah? Nope. Think God was really going to just punish him real hard and let him live out his life? Nope. God was saying, this is the other side of mercy. I'm not letting you go. I'm not going to let you miss out on this. I'm not going to abandon my plan for your life. Hello? And so in that belly of the whale, it got his attention. Seaweed, teeth. The belly of, he called it the belly of hell. And it was there that Jonah repented. And Jonah said, I'll go. Fish throwed him out on the bank. And Jonah was glad to go to Nineveh. That was the other side of mercy. Let's stand together. No notes. I said that for this reason. I didn't plan this message. But I told my wife about it last night. I hadn't, you know, just. But when these ladies sung that song this morning, the Holy Ghost began to remind me. Sometimes it takes a mountain. Sometimes it takes a troubled sea. Sometimes it takes an affliction. Sometimes it takes a whale, if you will, like in Jonah. But Jonah went on, and he preached at Nineveh. And he had a 100% revival because the king of Nineveh called a fast. And they prayed, and they repented of their ways, and God saved them.
Every one of them. Wow. Wow. Look what, a, look what would have been missed if Jonah had been stubborn to never follow what God had. Every head bowed and every eye closed.